Does your vision for business match what you see happening on a daily basis? Welcome to Jim White's Circle of Success, where Jim White brings it all together. For over 30 years, Jim White has worked with organizations and individuals worldwide to help develop and implement excellence. You'll get the inside story on how to create innovative leaders from one corner of your company to the other. Get everyone on your team contributing to the bottom line. Keep building revenue even when the economy and your customers have flatlined. And more. Jim White's Circle of Success Radio covers it all, from communication to contract negotiation, from personal fulfillment to revving up cash flow. It's not about theories. It's about showing you what works and how to make it work for you. And now, here's your host, Jim White. Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Jim White, and we're coming to you live from Carmel, California on Saturday morning, October the 29th, 2011. We have a fantastic show for you today. We have a special guest. Uh, we're going to be talking about anarchy and domestic terrorism. And our guest is uh, Captain uh, Chuck Tilby. He recently retired from the Eugene, Oregon Police Department after 33 years of service. He managed the Investigations Division, which includes investigative units, which focused on violent crimes, property crimes, fraud crimes, crime analysis, vice, and narcotics. Intelligence, property control, and forensic evidence. He managed the patrol and special operations divisions prior to moving into investigations in 2007. For 12 years prior to that, he supervised the special investigations unit. Much of his work with the Eugene Police Department has concentrated on domestic terrorist issues and most recently, criminal anarchists. Captain Tilby has conducted training on criminal intelligence, street gang, and domestic terrorism for many local, state, and federal agencies. He has taught extensively for the Oregon Attorney General's Office, the California Attorney General's Office, and most recently, the Naval Postgraduate School for Center for Homeland Defense and Security. He has been presenting a course in special interest terrorism, and criminal anarchists for the Institute for the Intergovernmental Research, State, and Local Anti-Terrorism Training for the last nine years. That program emphasizes intelligence prevention as opposed to response to terrorism. He served as a vice zone chairman for the Northwest Zone of the Law Enforcement Intelligence Unit and as the Southern Oregon representative in the Northwest Criminal Intelligence Network for many years. In 2009, he received the FBI's Director's Award for Community Service for his work on Operation Backfire, a 10-year domestic terrorism case, and coordinating security for the 2008 U.S. Track and Field Olympic Trials. Captain Tilby received a Bachelor of Science degree in Electrical Engineering from Colorado State University and completed coursework towards his MBA. Chuck, welcome to the program. Thank you, Jim, for having me. I appreciate it. I, I, I got a first, first question for you. Electrical Engineering to this impressive law enforcement background. How did you make where, – where did, where did the curve go? Yeah, my father asked the same question. Uh, <laughs> Went to school, electrical engineer. Well, here, yeah, here I uh, <laughs> uh, couldn't find a job, you know, and uh, <laughs> sought a, a job in law enforcement so I could pay some bills and feed the family and uh, was in it for uh, less than a year, and it just gets in your blood. And, uh, yeah, I understand. I tell you, what to, an impressive uh, background. Well, thank you. I keep looking over my shoulder wondering who you're talking about. Yeah, um, I, and, and and I understand what you mean by that. Let's talk about that. I'm, I'm, have your white paper here that our friends from the Naval Postgraduate School sent over and, and, and setting this up. Anarchies, domestic terrorism. Uh, just uh, it's, it's framed. What what are we talking about here? Well, um, two very very different uh, movements and and ideologies that. Uh, have 
merged uh, significantly in the last decade. Uh, and the result of that merging, the mindset or the ideology that <clears throat> evolved, uh, has uh, some very significant, I think, implications, particularly on uh, corporate America, because the prominent uh, ideology that that uh, evolved uh, was anarchist in nature, which uh, vilifies uh, corporations, uh, profit-driven uh, business. Mm. And uh, so that had a very uh, impactful, or it had a huge impact on how domestic terrorists, uh, historically terrorism that was done in the name of, of animals or done in the name of uh, earth, saving the earth, uh, started to target uh, differently based upon that new ideology. So um, while historically businesses that were involved in animal research or you know fur industry or, or those kinds of businesses were a target of, the, of them, uh, now it's uh, evolved into to a more revolutionary uh, dialogue or goal, I should say, mm. and every business uh, has the potential of being targeted, uh, and it's a very circuitous argument and very hard to uh, predict. Hmm. I mean, uh, boy, I, it's, this this fascinating and uh, uh, and and favorite word of mine that you'll hear over and over and over, and I call drill down, drill down, or peeling the onion back on this subject, and it's just fascinating. But for our listeners. Anarchy, in its word, a lot of people may not say, well, I hear the word, but really don't understand what it means. Well, <laughs> preparation for the show, a lot of our research, and we look at that and we say, okay, what is this word? Well, a Greek word means no ruler. That's the definition of anarchy. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about anarchy and how it's affected, uh, potentially has affected and potentially can affect uh economic enterprises, uh, and then it goes on to say anarchy is, for the most part, a uh, they, they don't want chaos or destruction, so how is this impact? If this is the case, and after 33 years of looking at this, uh, you probably have a different view than this definition of anarchy, do you not, or, or is it the same? What is, what is it, and, and how is it? Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a little bit the same, but it's more complex um, okay. than the than the definition. Okay. And at it, at its core, um, the anarchy anarchy anarchists mm-hmm. uh, believe that people should self organize and that right. government should not be based upon uh, power relationships or uh, in the most important. Uh, issue is or corporate money uh well of course that uh describes our government uh fairly accurately at least parts of it and so especially in recent years right yes exactly and so the um the the extreme move the extreme portion of anarchy movement uh not only believe that people need to self organize but government has to get out of the out of the way and the only way to do that then is by forcible removal thus the revolutionary um, aspect most anarchists believe that our government being illegitimate in their minds will self-destruct and uh, then people will get to self-organize maybe around labor unions or or other uh, self-determination kinds of, of organization but it's they they do understand that that you have to have some organization in order to survive. Hmm. Well, as we look at the United States deficit today, would the anarchists say, "Well, here's a perfect example of self-destructing. Look at a seventeen trillion dollar deficit." Is this what the Occupy movement's all about? Absolutely. Absolutely, it's a powerful argument. And what I've found over the years that 
most larger social movements are based uh, a great deal on fact. And we may mm. look at the facts and interpret the facts differently based upon the seat we're in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're not they're not made up and they're you know they're um, uh, they're articulate and and follow a logical sequence although we are most of us will argue the logic um, that they're not uh, frivolous in mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. in your introduction when i and you started talking about the echo terrorism mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about that. Uh, and, and you're talking about the animals and it's, and, and how that's targeted the enterprise. Uh, how has that become uh, that fine line between uh, uh, free speech and that fine line between criminal activity? I mean, it, it, it's, it's a real, real dicey line, is it not? It is very dicey, and under under attack all of the time. Um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Getting into the to the eco terrorism, so called eco terrorism right. movement, which combines right. animal liberation and earth uh, preservation. Um, the the justification for crim- conducting criminal actions to further your political belief systems is based on two things, frustration with legitimate political activity and how slow it is and sometimes it stalls out before they get to their uh, their ultimate goal. Oftentimes it does. And the, the other thing is this idea that I can commit crimes against specific targets and be justified either because they are doing a greater evil or it's part of my free speech guarantees. Mm -hmm. And so we've got this constant uh, probing of that line that you described Mm -hmm. um, from both sides, you know, trying to establish the line brighter and also trying to make it uh, more obscure. And the more obscure that line is, obviously, then the more outrageous your behavior can be and claim it as free speech. Hmm. Well, April the 19th, 1775, and the Declaration of Independence, July the 4th, 1776, if you read the Declaration of Independence, is this not what the nation did? Was it was being somewhat anarchy in, 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 at that time? Is that the same, or is it different? I've struggled with that, you know, um, mm-hmm. because I see a lot of similarities. Yeah, I do and, too. And the, the the way the argument is couched, um, whether it's intentional or just by va- very nature of the argument, mm-hmm. is is that's how our, our country was formed. That those are some of the core belief systems that our forefathers had, you know, right. less government, People, you know, self-determination, uh, you know, you're privileged to say what you want to say with some right. some pretty distinct limitations of, you know, how far mm-hmm. you can take that. Mm-hmm. And in the ensuing couple hundred years, even our brightest legal minds have wrestled with where is that line? You know, you see the, the court decisions just around the First Amendment it, uh, right. itself. Right. They're all over the place and evolved tremendously in the last century. So it's it's not an easy topic to talk about, and not. and I think it's I think that contributes to how volatile it can become because you, uh, the justifications are there. You, you only have you don't have to be terribly creative to find them. Mm-hmm. Well. And, and 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 I think you're saying it well, Chuck. In, in the sense of justific- justifications are there, um, and then if you, uh, I mean, we're coming into a presidential election cycle, mm-hmm. and we're looking at the uh, at the deficit. 
we're looking at people. We got uh, really, and depends on the number you take. Uh, some parts of the government say so we got 13 million people unemployed. Well, uh, some people say it's 24 million, but whatever it is, it's too many in my mind. Mm-hmm. And when you take the ability away from a provider, provide for his or her family, it's what I call you're, you're kind of putting them in a the corner. So as they go back to the hunter aspect, and then then say, okay, I can find a place or a movement to align with. Maybe this is the anarchist. So I and I can go back and I can put my hands on this wonderful piece. Declaration of Independence, and I'm justified in my action. So all I'm doing is starting a revolution. Wow. Absolutely. We're off to the races on that, aren't we? (laughs) And the interesting part that that I've kind of come to realize really within the last couple of years is how close the anarchist, which is an extreme form of libertarianism, right, how close they are to the ultra right wing uh, ideologies uh, around the world, particularly right. Europe and, and the United right. States. They're very, very close. Right. Um, and I think what the the implications, social implications, and certainly business implications, are that uh, now we have a, this anger spread. Uh, throughout the nation, on the, represented by all walks of life, all ideologies, people can be angry and and are angry. That's the same kind of situation we found ourselves in in, in the 1990s around globalization. Exactly. And no, exactly. Uh, and we saw the the ramifications of that, you know, in 2000 and that election year. So uh, I see a lot of similarities, and uh, it's got a lot of potential. When you are this teaching you're doing is a, in, in your introduction in your bio, so you've been working with the Attorney General's office in uh, Oregon and in California. Um, so what what are you teaching there? What 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 is it you're teaching? Uh, uh, I know it's around the subject, but specifically, what are we looking at from law enforcement from a prevention standpoint as it relates to this? Anarchy and domestic terrorism. That that question is making sense to you? Yes, I think it does. Yeah. Okay. Uh, our my goal and, and the goal of the programs that I am involved in is to understand as best we can the nature of the threat, uh, not to overblow the threat and not to underappreciate the threat. And we we have a tendency to minimize this these ideologies and go right to the ultra right wing. So when somebody says domestic terrorism, Mm. most everybody goes to militias and those kinds of things because, you know, McVeigh blows up a a federal building. And so it's, you know, that's a big deal. Right. Um, And so my, my focus is to step back and look at this other side that has tremendous potential for destruction in, in our country and understand it. And if we understand it, we're we're more likely to then be able to position ourselves earlier so we're not in a reactive mode. And this is extremely important, to, both for business and for law enforcement. Try not to get into that reactive mode. And there are things that you can do um, proactively that minimize the impact or or intervene in the criminal process. Now I'm not talking I want to emphasize that from our standpoint it's the criminal process, mm-hmm. not the social or political processes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um so that's that's my focus in in my teaching teaching you know presentations. Mm-hmm. Um and and realizing you know what's also interesting is when you look at the ideologies of the international terrorists um, and you know they're looking for people who uh, can be active in this country along their goals. The goals line up uh, very, very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, not necessarily with the right wing, but with the, with these left wing anarchist uh, movements. 
they line up very very well uh so it's a my main goal is just to educate and let's position ourselves and not uh, just write this off as a bunch of kooks mhm 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 well how about the uh, um occupy movement uh we got to get a break in here and we come back mm-hmm. from break uh, I'd, I'd like to chat a little bit about that i mean currently it's- I mean, that's exactly what we're talking about here, and let's talk about that. So we'll be back in 45. This segment is brought to you by 12 O'Clock High Leadership and Management Summit. 12 O'Clock High is one of the undisputed best movie classics of all time. It is also one of the best business learning tools available. The movie rated number one by top executives for its influence on their management styles. Now, the inspiration of the 12 O'Clock High Leadership and Management Summit, an innovative one-day event and 30-day follow-up where you will quickly see what's working and not working on the front lines of your company and in your own leadership style. Learn more at 12high.com. That's 12high.com. We're back. Thank you. This Occupy movement. Uh, man, it's uh, picking up momentum from a law enforcement standpoint. How do you view this? Um, mostly from a, a position of kind of trepidation because um, we remember what happened in the, the 1990s, and in Eugene, it was particularly impactful because we were we were the uh, kind of test tube of the evolving anarchy movement back then in the mid 1990s that have, that essentially erupted in in Seattle in 1999 and then took the the show on the road uh, through that political season. Right, I remember. And um, so there's a lot of trepidation in law enforcement circles. Uh, it's a very complex problem because early on. Uh, the movement is peaceful, they have lofty goals, they're cooperative, uh, they might do some minor civil disobedience, but there's generally a, a peaceful uh, component. That's a prevalent component. Then what happens over time, is it, as it, if it stays viable for long enough, then what you start to see is an erosion of that position into more of a agitator or criminal or uh, warrior kind of mentality. Well, you know, sitting around in the park is fine. Marching down mm-hmm. the street is fine, but that's not accomplishing anything. And so then the, the frustration starts to appear. And that's in, historically, that's when uh, the anarchist movement co-opted the anti-globalization uh, movement. And it became this very uh, violent, confrontive uh, situation. Well, back then, in the, it took us in law enforcement by surprise. And, mm. and historically, we've looked at it, and I've talked to tons of people on both sides of the, of the issue, mm-hmm. and it was a very deliberate program uh, on their side, and we fell into it hook, line, and sinker. So we were being baited uh, basically, government and particularly the police were being baited into responding in a way that didn't play well when you're talking right. about social movements. And uh, I see a, a lot of similarities right now where we're finding camps of anarchists, or uh, you don't even have to have anarchists involved. Uh, the homeless community is integrally important. Absolutely. Right, of, right, right. In the right. movement. And there are portions of of the homeless community that have substance abuse issues, have uh, mental issues, and tend to be outrageous and criminal and whatnot. So there's an agitation factor right there. So even though in your community you look around and you go, well, we don't have anarchists, and and they aren't in every community, but you do have other factions that that create that same dynamic. And we're starting to see that evolve. Yeah, I I couldn't agree with you more, and 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 I'm just fascinated with this subject matter, Chuck, and and all the work that uh, you and other professionals are doing. Because, I mean, 
this is this is serious stuff. And it's mm-hmm. and, and as we we we've already commented on a couple times, it's it's this dicey line between the free speech and the freedoms that we have, and looking at the very foundation that this country was founded on. And if we go literally to the trans uh, to the translation of the Declaration and, and the Constitution. Again, we have the same thing <laughs> going on today. We can make yes, a case for that, right? We can. We can. So, man, and, that's dangerous. And couple that with the Arab Spring, right? Right. Where right. We had you know very successful popular uprisings. Now it's a very it's it's vastly different overthrowing a government in the Middle East versus overthrowing a gov- the United States government. But if you look at how successful those movements were in a very short amount of time, uh, that's very emboldening to people in this country who view themselves as, as revolutionaries and and view the need for immediate and drastic change in, in our government. Uh, so that it's very volatile. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting that you bring that up, and uh, and I'll just take this opportunity uh, since you put that on the table. We have a very strong listener base, international listener base. Mm-hmm. We've got about twenty one percent of our uh, known listeners. It's in the Middle East and India and Asia, so we have a huge. So it's. Uh, people are listening to the show live, and they're also, you know, through the uh, uh, archives, if you will. Mm-hmm. So uh, when we're talking, we're, we're talking about the United States, but you bring it up. I mean, this is this is certainly uh, international issues, just not confined within our borders. Oh, absolutely, and and even more applicable uh, to our situation than than Arab Spring in the, in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Uh, are, are is what's going on in Europe. So right, they've got right. economies that are. We all have economies that are tightly uh, linked today, and uh, as people become less and less enamored with uh, their government, and particularly with economies failing, where you we have you're ratcheting back, you're having austerity programs, and the uprisings in in Europe are they. They're significant. They are. Um, they they definitely and, are. And the potentials here. Yeah, and and specifically, I mean, most recent one that comes to mind is this huge. Uh, I mean, days and days of uprising in, in 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 London here. What a few weeks back. Yeah. And then yeah, we Greece, can almost understand what happens in Greece, but right, then it gets right. to London, and we go, "Wow, that's curious." Mm, right. Well, it's, I think, and I'm not a social scientist, but from my little point of view in the world, it seems very, very consistent. It seems the same. Yeah, and then we come across and we'll pick up on the Occupy Wall Street mm-hmm. and that movement here and then moving on down and uh, uh, in, in the Bay Area and our Oakland area issues there and then even in our uh, adjoining county here in Santa Cruz County, you know the mm-hmm. area, you've been here, sure. so you, you know That's the area. And, um, and 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 you said something uh, that I thought was very, very profound. You said it starts off with big lofty goes and then as these movements start, then you may have these great ideas. Then you have a, maybe another faction over here that does not have the best in Tampa. They just want to create disaster or mm-hmm. uh, uprising. Mm-hmm. They kind of merge into these groups where the intent may be for change, but then they merge, and then, then that's that fine line that you're talking about for as law enforcement, not to be reactive, but we got to really stay on top of it. What a huge challenge. It is. It is, um, and it's it's intriguing, and it it uh, challenges our, our very thinking in law enforcement about how we approach situations and uh, how delicate they are. And it, it kind of 
harkens also to how we're organized in, in government, particularly. We're very uh, hierarchical, right. and we're not very flexible. So we develop policies and procedures and uh, that are very well thought out and, and are successful until you are met with a foe that is nimble and changes directions uh, very rapidly. And now we have to take this uh, big kind of uh, hierarchical structure into that and we're very swiftly thrown in behind the curve. We find ourselves behind the curve. So one of the things that uh, the, the program at, at Naval Postgraduate School is, is doing is trying to get leaders in, in this country thinking in terms of less structure and more networking, which breeds nimbleness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I was just fascinated with that program and that concept and have been able to open the dialogue, certainly within the, my sphere of influence. And uh, it, yeah. it's interesting. It, 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 it is interesting, and that's a, that's that's another thing there. Uh, I mean, I, I, I'll say it, I love those folks. <laughs> I love <laughs> what they do. Uh, and it's one of those uh, uh, little agencies that most people don't know anything about. And this is part of the uh, things that we're doing on the show, both on the radio and on our television show, to bring more awareness to you know uh, people that's actually on the front lines and, and, and doing stuff, put it out into the public so they can have a better understanding. And we're not putting any slant to this, I mean, and, and on the radio or the television. We're just like, okay, this is what we see, our best knowledge, and this is what we're trying to bring. And the more we can educate and and as you say, uh, be more nature. And it's going to take time to change these cultures, and it's going to take leadership. And that's what we're missing in my mind. Uh, Couldn't agree with you more. We're 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 dismissing it, and and yeah. and that's the reason you know you and. Uh, Glenn and and Heather and Ted Lewis and all those people over there, what we're doing in that program and all of the uh, other agencies involved, man, we just got to keep it going and uh, and 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 uh, man, am I doing a commercial for them or what? Yeah, yeah boy, it, it sounds great, and, I, and I'm honored to be put on the same sentence with those people. They're they're great thinkers, and yeah, and, um, uh, we. Uh, we really need to change our way of thinking um, to stay up with the flow of, of change in our society. You know, every aspect. You look at our society; it, it's so fast. Yeah. Yet we're building institutions that are so slow. Uh, God, yeah, yeah. Um, we've got to get another quick break in here, but I want to come back, and I'm looking at your. Terrorism conducted in the name of animal liberation. Wow. It's just I've got that highlighted, underlined terrorism conducted in the name of an, animal liberation. We come back, can we take a look at that? Absolutely. This segment is brought to you by What's My Purpose Life Mastery Course. Looking for clarity of purpose? What's My Purpose Life Mastery Course can help you define your goals and vision. Start living your life on purpose. Living on purpose is about joy. Living on purpose is about intention. Living on purpose is about personal transformation and continued growth. What's My Purpose Life Mastery Course 2.0 helps you address finances, relationships, spiritual growth, physical and mental health. You'll reclaim your personal power and get your life on track to attain true success. Learn more at whatsmypurpose.com. Thank you. We're back with uh, Chuck Tilby. He's a retired uh, captain from the Eugene, Oregon Police Department and an expert in domestic terrorism. Prior to the break, Chuck, uh, I said it's uh, drilled down on this uh, terrorism conducted in the name of animal liberation. 
And I know you started talking about that uh, at the uh, first part of the show. So it's, uh, tell me more about that. What do, you, what do you mean by this? Well, in order to understand, it, basically what we're talking about is criminal activity that's designed to uh, intimidate or coerce mm. public and private uh, decision-making mm. in a certain direction. Thus, in my opinion, we can call it terrorism. That's, that's okay. what terrorism is. Right. Um, okay. and, and this particular little uh, ideolo- ideology is based upon a core belief that animals occupy the same moral uh, platform as human beings. So therefore, if you're in any business or conducting any activity that in any way harms animals, then you're fair game. Uh, so that's kind of the core of of what they've been all about for four decades. Mm-hmm. It's that that's been around for quite some time now. And, and as you go on to say about that now, I have a better understanding that uh, the targeted groups, uh, the industries, and you talk about the meat packers, get it, fur farmers, loggers, and so on and so forth. Okay, research labs. Uh, I see what you yeah. mean there. Yeah. Okay. And, and um, that's it. Oh, go ahead. No. Uh, yeah, you had a yeah, question. Yeah, I, I did. Am I? Will it be a stretch if I talk about uh, the abortion centers? Not at all. Mm, okay. Not at all. It's um, as a matter of fact, what happened with the anti-abortion movement uh, served as lessons learned for the animal liberation and, and deep ecology movements mm-hmm. in in a couple of fa- ways. One is a confirmation that in order to affect real change in society, you have to basically kill people. Mm. Uh, the the anti-abortion movement in its extreme factions, obviously not mainstream, uh, became frustrated over time because they were blowing up and burning down um abortion clinics right and left, and no real change was occurring in abortion provision in the country. So that's when the extreme factions then gain power and influence, and they say, we have a better way. And, and we so they go out and terrorize people up to and including killing people. Right. So that movement kind mm-hmm. of has served as, well, there's a good lesson that, you know, we can do all of this, lower level stuff that we want to but in order to really get to our goals we have to really focus on terrorizing people not just property uh the other lesson that that was learned is that they didn't do the anti-abortionist movement didn't do a very good job in preparing the mainstream of the movement for that transition so when it happened most people in the movement that were active in the movement, they don't ascribe to murder. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they backed off and they went, well, that's not what we're about. And so it had this destructive effect on the movement as a whole. Now, the Animal Live folks have watched that and realized what's going on or realized that, that they need to do something about that. So you now see the the spokesman for the Animal Liberation Front, which is the the name that they use for any criminal activity in the name of animals, mm-hmm. uh, is on national television. If you go to their website, the, the, it's all over the place where he says, what we really need to do is kill some vivisectionists, for example, people who are involved in, in animal research. Right. We have to kill them in order to make our point and move us forward. Wow. Well, they say they're they're trying to discuss it in an open forum. My belief is that they're really preparing the movement for that eventuality. You know, this movement that reveres life, right, mm-hmm. is going to have to come to grips with when we kill people, we're going to have to we want to stay viable as a movement. 
So I think that's what he's really doing is marching that out, getting people used to the idea and doing his upfront work because it, it it's it's happened already and but not in the in the right form and but that's kind of a, a forward look at how how they view the future of the movement. Mhm. Which you know, is as I was Yeah, it is it is scary and as I was listening to you Chuck I couldn't help but I'll 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 take his position. I couldn't help but think about the once again the election cycle uh, presidential election cycle mm-hmm. and who in our congress or local or from the political anybody jump out is really taking this subject matter on hitting it right between the eyes if you will <laughs> i mean I'm, I'm trying to think of a politician <laughs> that has enough courage to go grab the subject matter, right? Right. I think that's the the you hit the key point. It takes courage and a huge risk, huge, uh, to take that on. And uh, at least what I see, again from my little corner of the world, uh, the political cycle isn't about taking risk. Yep. And uh, uh, you know, in order to get elected, you can't be too controversial. Yep. Um, so. So I think no, nobody wants to take that on. This is where I get myself in trouble. Yeah, this is where (laughs) I get myself in trouble, Chuck. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) There's lots of trouble to get into. (laughs) I I know. I I, my emails are lighting up as I'm as we're talking. (laughs) (laughs) What? What are you talking about, White? Well, I'm saying if you want that position. Belly up to the bar and lead. It takes courage, and that's what we need from all segments, not only from the public sector, from the private sector as well. And uh, so uh, most of my listeners would be disappointed if they didn't hear me say that again this week. (laughs) So uh, I am just absolutely adamant about that. Why? Because I love this country, and that – and and we – are evolved enough that we should be able to resolve these issues, right? Well, a lot of people say, well, Jim, that's kind of a naive view. Well, I'm going to keep it. <laughs> I'm going to keep uh, every day, uh, get it up and say, hey, where there's different, different ways. It's just uh, uh, look at things that are different. So anyway, I've done my sufficient digging my hole today, so we'll see where that goes. But uh, uh, I, I think it's so important because we have so many uh, so many issues uh, and they're just numerous, and and globally, and, and you said it earlier. I mean, we're 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 a global society. I mean, as you and I are talking today, uh, we're being heard around the world, and and that's what when I first started doing this international broadcast, uh, I was just fascinated that you could talk to the world this way. Isn't technology fantastic? It is amazing. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean. Yeah, we have this opportunity to share share different views. Yeah. I um, also would like to chat a little bit about where you say, and, and your bio says, the program emphasizes intelligence and prevention. Mm-hmm. So how do you go about intelligence? To, I mean, find out who's the good guys and who's the bad guys in this whole movement. And I know this is a general question. It's probably hard to give it, but give it your best shot. Well, from the standpoint of police in yep. in the United States, intelligence is that information that's focused on criminal groups uh, and with an with an end goal of being able to identify and intervene in the criminal process before crimes are occur. Now, obviously, we can't prevent all crimes because they're in different stages of formation and whatnot. Right. So that's kind of the underpinning of that idea. The the operative word for law enforcement is criminal. We have to have, by by our laws and our Constitution and everything else that comes to bear, we have to have a criminal nexus in order to investigate groups. 
and that present, prevents us from investigating uh, political groups and religious groups and and whatnot. Right. Now, as I talk through that, you know, everybody ought to be thinking, "Wow, there's some trip wires right there." Right. And right. we're constantly walking that fine line. Um. But the but the important part, well, that's an important part. The the second important part is that why we're doing that is not to suppress dissent, not to suppress religion, but to bolster that mm-hmm. um, by eliminating the as early as we possibly can, in other words, preventing uh, criminal activity. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's two components there, and the prevention side is where the in our end game is. How do you prevent uh, criminal activity from taking place? Or, or if you can't prevent it, how do you minimize it? And you contrast that with our our response to 9-11 has been almost universally geared toward how do we respond to terrorism. And, right. and this, this, idea, this idea is, okay, yeah, we have to re- respond to it, but we have to get in front of it and intervene in that process. Well, I I love the intervention process, and uh, I, I've got upcoming show uh, also on the TV show uh, we're going to be doing. I'm going to have Glenn Woodbury, which you know, the director mm-hmm. of the uh, Naval Postgraduate, and also uh, a colleague of yours in New York, you probably Amin Katsin. Uh, I've heard Amin, the name. Yeah, Amin is a graduate and, and did his thesis and. Uh, New York Police Department that uh, very successful to put the cricket together for the Muslim community and the prevention and that's community policing aspect. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we have a lot of that coming up on future shows in addition uh, here. And uh, what I hope to do at some point in time, once we do, is maybe get a panel together, uh, get where everybody can come around and and and, and really uh, uh, because uh, the subject is so complex so delicate for as freedoms are concerned mm-hmm. speech yet we are sitting right in the middle of what I think is a huge opportunity as a society for the next 200 years I mean it goes back to that courage and leadership aspect mm-hmm. as well so uh, I mean, it, there's just so many. And how do we – we haven't even touched on the gang activity. I mean, can you believe it? I mean, we got 12 minutes left in the show. See how fast this goes? <laughs> we, haven't even touched, we haven't even touched this. And, and, and so the gang activities uh, and, and, and how that plays in. So briefly in five, seven minutes we have left uh, – uh, how, how do you view that in this whole context of the anarchy, the gangs, and all that type of thing? If I could, um, I'd like to talk about how maybe the private sector can great can play a bigger Please. role be, because we've we've um, we've invested a lot in, in the the government has recognized that we need to build partnerships and, and whatnot, and it's a okay. it's a great idea and it's warm and fuzzy. Uh, it's a little weak on the uh, on the uh, production side. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and part of that is in, we have an environment where the private sector is more and more at risk, both financially mm-hmm. and physically, mm-hmm. and a government operation, government operations that are uh, dealing with shrinking budgets and changing priorities and whatnot. So what happens in that? in that little chaotic uh, interplay there is that um, we build a partnership, but it's very narrow. It's very uh, not very deep. And I think our private sector has looked to the government to, to keep them abreast of what's going on and give them warnings when, when they should get warnings and kind of given that up to the government as, as the government's role. Problem is the government won't be able to uh, fulfill that obligation. Mm-hmm. So there are some some things I think the private sector could do more of ar- around situational awareness, analyzing 
the the playing field who where is the what's the threat environment uh and and then more importantly what do we do about it mm-hmm. there there have been a couple of mm-hmm. remarkable examples the fur industry because they had been victimized uh, by animal liberation uh, crimes for for a long time, built a uh, an ability to gather information, analyze it, uh, and then produce guidance for their for their businesses on how to respond. Right? You know, what is the threat today? How do we respond if you get victimized? How do we respond because part of that victimization is a very strong message. That's that's why they do terrorism, is the message is more important, actually, than the crime. Uh, so how do we respond? Right. Uh, the uh, animal research community has done uh, similar efforts, but those are pretty narrowly focused. So my thought is that it would be, it would be very helpful for the business community as a whole to invest in that kind of infrastructure where we can you can get advice on where's the threat coming from and how serious it is, is it and then how to yeah. and then how to respond how do we position ourselves to to not either not be victimized or not be impacted so much I I think you're uh, spot on Chuck I I couldn't agree with you more and uh, I've done a lot. Uh, my career, I have a lot of experience in the Middle East and, and lived in Saudi for three years. And uh, I mean, so I understand. So when you were talking, my mind immediately goes to not only the domestic, and 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 I think the private sector should be more aware and take a, a bigger role, but also the international sector, the U.S. companies doing business internationally. That's a, an, an entirely additional threat, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And it's hard to find a company, unless you're a very small business. It's it's hard to find a company that doesn't touch all those the, that international right. environment. It's, that's just the way our economies are built today. Yeah. Are there any firms out there, Chuck? You know, you ask that that's uh, providing that service and intelligence from the private sector. I'm sure they are, but I don't I don't know of any. Anything come to it's mind? It's hard. You know, it's hard to find. Uh, other right. than the two that I I mentioned. Now, right. The the higher level corporations, you know, your defense industry and pharmaceutical industries, uh, are doing quite a bit of that. Um, but it's they keep it pretty narrowly focused. So if if you're not in that particular business, mm. um, you're, you're not reaping the benefit of of their work. It's a hard sell. It's a you know it's kind of like investing it in. Is. Insurance yeah. and investing in security is is a tough sell in a in a hard economic situation because right. it doesn't bring in any any resource. Um, yeah, but, but yeah, yeah, but I think yeah. you got to protect yourself. I, I do too, and uh, and and so really uh, ironic you bring that up. We have some shows that we're going to be doing on that. And uh, I would certainly like your input over the months to come and weeks to come as well on that subject because. Uh, from our consulting uh, practice, this is how we make a living in our consulting mm-hmm. company. Uh, that's what we're talking to our clients on a daily basis about, being more aware of crisis management, uh, disaster evacuation. I mean, just the things that we do in the uh, EMSs and the whole community, right? But from a private yeah. sector, be prepared. I mean, what happened on uh, 9-11 is a perfect example of that, not being prepared you know, for disasters, right? Yeah. The companies that actually... Uh, were put out of business as a result of that. Absolutely. And the reach have, is, is yeah. grand. I mean, it, it goes very, very deep. Yeah. Now, is this the same? Is it, are we talking about the same as like the for the term I'm going to use for private higher armies, <laughs> if you will? Two different <laughs> things, right? Yeah, I hope so, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. You, I guess when you get to what, what do you do about it, then uh, the, that's when the army comes in. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, it's vastly different, uh, and and hopefully we can do things so we don't have to uh, get in a shooting war with somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, over over these issues, um, but you know, uh, some of the most successful tactics, like in the animal uh, lib world, 
have been to ignore the the primary target, like Huntington Life Sciences, as an example, but attack their suppliers, attack their insurance company, their stockbroker, and whatnot. Right, so right, everybody right. that touches that business is now a target. Well, that broadens the whole community that's at risk just, right. just by by doing that. Right. It's it's very complex and needs. I I totally agree with it. it needs leadership uh, and uh, involvement and not rely on somebody else to do it because uh, it's it we're going to be the loser. Yeah. Uh, the time remaining. Do you have a uh, website or a blog or anything like that up and running? I know I know you just recently returned, but man, you got such vast knowledge. For the public, if they wanted to learn more, are you thinking about doing something like that? Yeah, it hasn't gotten beyond the uh, thinking stage okay. uh, <laughs> at this point. Understand? But, uh, I, I, even though I have an engineering degree, I'm not all that savvy when it comes to the new, the new technologies. Um, but I, you know, and it's an area that uh, I certainly, obviously, have some passion about, and and. Um, or I'm interested in how that might work. Well, two minutes or two minutes or less. Uh, what's uh, what's in store for Chuck post retirement? Oh, you know, uh, playing a lot of golf. That's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> Paying attention to a growing family. Got a couple of grandchildren now. But professionally, I, I'm finding that now as I've retired, I'm not. Bogged down by the day-to-day requirements of of a police department, and I can spend time thinking and strategizing uh, about my my passion, and that is this discussion that we've had. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm really looking for more opportunities to to interact and share ideas, and maybe uh, put some cool stuff into play. Yeah. Well, I, I tell you what, uh, you can certainly count on us because you, you've been a uh, terrific guest, a lot of great information, and as I said, that's what our show is all about, to inspire and educate and uh, uh, put out some strategies and specific calls to action for people to get involved, don't sit on the sidelines, mm-hmm. and and this is, this is a big thing, I mean, from show to show, so to every individual listener. You cannot be passive. <laughs> you've got to be involved. You've got to be. You've got to know what's happening uh, from all elements. I mean, because you are a part of what makes up the, the U.S. And, and 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 not leaving out our international uh, folks either. So everybody needs to be involved. Uh, in Absolutely. That well, and you're uh, obviously taking just a tremendous leadership role and doing some great stuff. And so keep up the good work. Thank you, sir. We will do. We will do our very, uh, very, very best. Um, and the uh, we we have about a minute. Uh, anything that you'd like to uh, uh, add in that minute we have, or any other things and that you'd like to share before we uh, say goodbye? Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, you know, um, but I I think just what you said was just let's stay involved and keep talking and keep. Keep finagling, and and we'll we'll find some some answers and some some strategies here. Stay involved. Very, very good, sir. Chuck, I'm going to thank you for your time. Uh, thank taking you the, the time away on Saturday, Saturday morning from your family and uh, for sharing all this wonderful information. And I hope to have you back here soon. And hope you'd be up to that. That'd be a pleasure. And, I'd love it. Yeah, we will we'll make a point and uh we'll we'll chat offline here too in a few days and uh I got some different ideas for other things we might be able to do for different shows. So thank you for your time and uh, you have a great weekend. Thank you and you do you too. Okay. We will talk to you uh uh next week, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jim White saying thank you. And we're coming to you live from Carmel, California on the twenty ninth day of October two thousand and eleven. And please uh, do not forget uh, our television show, November the 14th, 2011, launching a one-hour talk show on uh, Comcast Channel 19, KYMBT, in local in Monterey, California. And we'll be streaming live.
worldwide. So we will give you more information next week. So until then, be safe. Make it a great day. You've been listening to Jim White's Circle of Success Radio. Please visit our website, jlwhiteinternational.com. Join us next time as Jim White brings it all together on Jim White's Circle of Success Radio. Thank you.